Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. This week in cricket time, it is the start of the Super 12 stage of the T20 World Cup. We're going to talk New Zealand, Australia, a fantastic India versus Pakistan game. England facing up against Afghanistan as well as Sri Lanka and Ireland. And what's upcoming in this week in the tournament? All coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, we've got heaps and heaps to talk about. We're going to talk rule changes. There's plenty of talking points, even just from that India-Pakistan game, let alone going into the farce that was the rain rules yesterday in South Africa, Zimbabwe, in what was a decidedly drab Hobart. Yeah, it's sort of uh, got to be questioning the decisions to play in, in a place where it's going to rain more than London, I think, in a, a, a cricket World Cup. But We've got to start really, I suppose, it wasn't the opening game of the tournament, but it was the hosts' first game and much anticipated both sides of the Tasman, New Zealand, Australia. Who would have predicted that result, boys? Not me. Not me at all. I, yeah. I, I mean, look, when we did our T20 preview, we all talked about how we thought New Zealand was going to be on the back foot. There's so much in that uh, pre, you know, pre-match build-up. About how New Zealand hadn't won. I mean, me and Raj were talking uh, the day before. You know, I think you texted me and said, oh, is it right? Someone told me that, um, you know, New Zealand hasn't won there since 2011 in any format of cricket. And, and it's, that was true. Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, but just unbelievable. And, and the hoodoo, I guess, that we've had against Australia, yeah, I, I did not think that that was going to happen, but absolutely delighted. One of those games that you kind of just think... I, I, T20 games go back and forth all the time. I think I enjoyed every single moment of that game, which you don't kind of say in T20 very often. Yeah, I had full confidence in New Zealand right from the beginning <laughs> of uh, of the tournament. Jesus, feels like we were talking about Australia in the last tournament. Um, look, I, I genuinely was not expecting that. Uh, I like some of the, the, the decisions that they made throughout the game. The big brave one at the start, not to actually select... Uh, Martin Guptill, but instead to go with Finnellan, and I think Finnellan was a massive part of, of um, our batting innings in terms of getting us off to that start. But more importantly, putting the Aussies on on the back foot. Before you go too much further, and you're talking about selections, did you think Sodi over Bracewell was a a big call? Because actually, you know, Bracewell, I feel like he's played every single game like for the last nine months or so in almost every single format. He had bowled really well here against um, Pakistan and Bangladesh. Did you? And Sodi hadn't. I was on the fence there wondering what they would do. I was happy they went with Sodi, but like, were you surprised? Uh, look, uh, that's a hard one for me to answer because I think that Ish is a really good bowler, but at the moment I just don't believe in his form mm. currently. And I think that, you know, in a chase like 150 or 160, uh, you know, he, he may or may become a, a, a liability. But le- leaving Bracewell out, who's actually performed really, really well, he hasn't done anything wrong almost he's done everything to put himself in the selector's head headspace and and, and get that um cap ahead of his sorry so surprise sure but i guess i'm not too fussed either way they had gone there Mm. happy that ish got first crack but i'm not sure it's representative of where he's actually at at the moment uh this innings anyway and guys before we delve a little bit deeper let's get the first australian view um of the podcast your your thoughts after that first game baldy well, it's a double blow for Australia because they've lost to the team that they would, I think, be eyeing up as the team that they would have to compete with to finish second in that group. 
And not only did they lose, but they lost really badly. So Australia's net run rate now is is really poor. And in a T20 competition that's you know decided by a few runs here or there most of the time, Australia are going to have to belt everybody else. They're going to have to beat England, and they're going to have to hope that results go their way now in order to get through that group stage. So it was a huge swing game for New Zealand to be able to put themselves in a great position to be first or second in the group. Australia have got a massive mountain to climb to get out of the group now, having lost by such a big margin to New Zealand. I mean, we only have to go back 12 months to have a look at the net run rate for South Africa, who we'll get on to later, in terms of the effect that that can have on your fortunes in a World Cup, regardless of how well you're playing. So, look, a massive, massive blow to Australia. Um, and, and we'll get into the whys and wherefores, but quite frankly, they were outplayed by New Zealand. They were outplayed from the outset. Finn Allen played a, a brilliant gem of an innings to get New Zealand away to a flyer, and Australia just couldn't reel them in from there. And look, I mean, it felt like Ian Smith had been waiting years and years to say this, but he did say this is a good old-fashioned hiding, and you just you just <laughs> nailed it there. And, and yeah, I mean, I think you know, two of us around the room laughing about that because... Yeah, it, it felt like that. It's been a long, long time coming. But, yeah, I mean, digging into the, the details, Raj, I interrupted you before, but I'm sure that that's where you were going next. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the best place to start, I guess, is Conway. Uh, when we talked about the the preview with the New Zealand team, we were saying that's where we thought a lot of our runs will come from, mm. uh, Conway opening the batting. But, uh, look, that's exactly what I want to see from him, that role. I like it. 90-odd off, 50-odd balls. Less than half the runs, though, if, you, if, yeah. if you're being critical. <laughs> Just bat, bat the 20 and have the others bat around him. So I, I thought that was really good. Oh, it was amazing. He's a, just an awesome cricketer, isn't he? And and when when did you guys sort of know that Finn Allen was going to get the nod? Because I've got to admit, I turned into the coverage except, expecting to see Guptill at the top of the order. It was never in my mind that that wasn't going to happen. So, did you get an inkling of that from the Twitter sphere, or did you have a you know a, a thought that that might be a route that they'd go? Uh, I kind of thought it for a while. Yeah, I actually did think that that was. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's sort of a big call on paper. I know in the press release. They came out and kind of named Martin Guptill as going to his, I think it's the fifth T20 World Cup or something that he's been to. So, you know, like he was one of the poster children of the the tournament. He they I think they had it at um, his old school that they announced the team and things. So I guess in that way it was a big call, but they've been telegraphing it for a while. Like Finn's been playing ahead of Guptill for a little bit anyway. Guptill came in when Kane was out, I think, for one of those games. But, yeah, look, I mean... Martin Guptill, I suppose, 12 months ago was one of our best players in that tournament. But I just, I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen in the, we've seen just now what an impact Finn can make. And I don't think Guptill actually plays like that anymore. And if you're going to have, you know, have Conway, I mean, Conway can kind of play both ways in terms of getting off to a, a strong start as well. He seems to do it in a much calmer way. But then suddenly he's striking at 150, 160 anyway. But if you're going to have Kane there at three, I think actually you've got to back yourself to have someone like Finn just to go bananas because then it allows Kane and Conway to then bat from six overs to 14 overs or whatever and kind of set up your innings perfectly for the the Phillips and Mitchell or Chapman and, and then Nisham obviously to come in at the end. So I don't know, I, I thought always thought that that was going to happen, but yeah, I, I think it's a big, you know, a lot of people were surprised and I think even a lot of people... You know, before after the toss had bit happened, there were a lot of people going, "Oh, I don't know. I probably would have gone with Guptill there." Yeah, and 
a word on the fielding. It's been a feature of the tournament so far, but um, England fielded brilliantly against Afghanistan, caught everything in the field. But um, man, Phillips and, and Nisham taking two absolute blinders, which capped off, I, I guess, a really good bowling performance as well to, to deliver the, the hiding that uh, that you talked about earlier on. Sorry, Baldy. <laughs> No, that, uh, that's not going to happen often. Let's <laughs> yeah, be fair. That Phillips one—it was like looking in the mirror from about ten years ago <laughs> myself. Um, usually with the bat, not with the with, the, with fielding. Um, look, I, I think that we've been our fielders supported our bowlers to the to the utmost that they could. Uh, the bowling was really good. But before we go into the bowling, you word on the fielding. I thought it was outstanding. They they didn't really miss a beat, even from that first ball where Finn Allen dived across to, mm. to save one going through. So it was right from the beginning, I thought. Th- that's actually a really good point, because I remember in the, that final last year, we'd put on a score that I thought was quite competitive, and Warner just hit a couple of boundaries in that first over, got them underway. But we did that really well. We stopped all those things. And I, I even thought, I mean, Phillips, obviously the Phillips catch was unbelievable, but the, like, Nisham's, those two catches that Nisham took, I thought were really good. I'm glad you mentioned him, Binksy, as well, because... I mean, that one that went off was Marsh, wasn't it? That just went sky, sky high. Yeah, that would have been a tough catch in those situations. And Marsh, we obviously saw what he did in that final as well. So, yeah, very, very impressive. And, I mean, yeah, look, onto the bowling. I mean, yeah, Southey, what a start yeah, for him. Yeah, Southey, eh? for me, he's the pick of the bowlers. I don't think – I'm not sure if he got as much plaudits during the during the innings that he should have, but it was very hard to score off up front. Some some massive wickets. How good was that – uh, ball cannoning into the to the stumps off the back of David <laughs> Warner's bat. It was it was beautiful. But no, I really liked the way that Sally bowled. He got the ball to swing and talk like that very early on, uh, and then that followed up through the middle with some great bowling from from Mitchell Santner that I liked as well. The the dot balls are key. I think is and I mean you know that's not some revelation that I've just said there. Dot balls are pretty important in T Twenty, but I, I think it's something that probably New Zealand has been on the other side of when we've batted. Dot balls are built up and built up on players like Williamson and Conway and and those 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 kind of players. And even even actually Phillips when he starts can get dotted up a little bit. But we did the exact opposite to Australia, and then suddenly they just had to go out and try and hit boundary after boundary. I mean, it helps when you get two hundred on the board, and suddenly that pressure builds really, really fast. It's creating creating something from a good ball yeah. is very hard to do. Guys like Tim David, when they come out, they want to get bat on ball, and, and they just couldn't really settle in because they had to go from the beginning. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I like, yeah, I, it probably is. It's just about the perfect performance from New Zealand. I mean, you know, I know you mentioned that before, Ball Lee, that it's going to make it really tough for Australia. There, there are some there are some tricky games in this pool, and New Zealand, like, it doesn't mean New Zealand is qualified, and I think that's probably the biggest thing. Everyone's been so excited. We've, you know, obviously massively enjoy any time we beat Australia because it doesn't happen a lot, but we've got to make this count now. We can't go in now and go, okay, well, we can just start cruising through these games because there are going to be a lot of tricky games. I keep mentioning it to Raj, but Sri Lanka is going to be a very tricky uh, opposition in this pool, and they're playing Australia tonight. They're playing Australia tonight, yeah, so that's what, uh, the 25th of October, New Zealand time, they're going to play Australia. In a, look, that's going to be a tough matchup for Australia. Traditionally haven't played all that well against Sri Lanka in, in white ball cricket. And Sri Lanka are off a massive victory against Ireland. They really dominated that Irish, that Irish bowling lineup. So, you know, Sri Lanka having come through the pool stage, they've now played four games of cricket. They're starting to build a bit of... Momentum. Thank you. They did this last time as well, and they did this last time in, in twelve months ago. So they're not going to be they're not going to be an easy out. 
Sri Lanka, right? And, and Australia are really going to have to play really well to not only beat Sri Lanka, but beat them well enough to keep themselves in the hunt. New Zealand have got Afghanistan tonight. Now, with no disrespect... Wednesday to, night. Uh, sorry, Wednesday night, you're right. No disrespect to Afghanistan, but I think New Zealand would also expect to win that match and win it quite comfortably, Rashid Khan notwithstanding. So New Zealand have a real chance to put down a marker now after two games in this tournament because if Australia struggle or have a really close game against Sri Lanka and don't improve their net run rate, and New Zealand do, New Zealand have really laid down a marker and it'll be really interesting to see what happens from there in the rest of the tournament. Well, and Australia's got India on Friday night, I think it is. So, yeah, I mean, these games are coming thick and fast. And, and yeah, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to turn things around. But, look, like you say, they beat Sri Lanka, they beat in England, and suddenly this whole group's turned on its head again. And, yeah, look, it's going to be, yeah, fascinating to see what happens. Just before we leave New Zealand and move on to, um, as much as I enjoyed this game, that India-Pakistan game was unbelievable. But the New Zealand now uh, going into the next game, you would think... Normally a game like this, you would make no changes. But if Daryl Mitchell is fit, is he straight back in for, for Chapman there, Raj? I, I think he is, um, just because that's the role that they've sort of got. I don't think that Chapman's going to bowl. Mm. And if you're going to play, if you're playing like for like as a batsman, I think you go with, you know, tried and true, uh, tried and true mm. uh, batsman that you have already um, seen and has done the job for you time and time again. So I think Mitchell's back in. Nice. Chapman's uh, catch celebrations will be disappointed. He seemed to be the, the person next to the person <laughs> catching it all the time and leaping into their arms, which is fantastic. I don't know, Daryl Mitchell's kind of got, I don't know where he's at on that level, but yeah. Yeah, and probably not reason enough to keep him in the side. So Possibly yeah. not. Right, let's move on. We, we've telegraphed it. India versus Pakistan. Um, such a good game that as well as their highlights package, they actually also stuck the last over up as its own standalone highlights package. Uh, yeah, so there was 11 minutes of that last over um, on the Sky Sports um, feed. Look, anytime India play Pakistan, and it only happens in ICC tournaments now, it's a, a massive occasion. I think the crowd was just over 90,000 at the MCG. Sold out in what, 15 minutes it, or something? Yeah, it looked as if you, know, you would have needed your ear defenders there. It was bloody loud. But fantastic game of cricket um, and a crazy last over. Plenty to talk about in terms of rules and controversy. The Twitter sphere getting its knickers in a right twist around the height of uh, yeah the height of a, a no ball. Um, balls hitting the stumps. Everything was going on in that in that game. As a I guess as a neutral, it was just such a fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic game uh, to watch. Seemed as if Pakistan were out of it, losing Babar and, and Rizwan um, early. And, and we've talked about how crucial they were to that, that team, but got themselves back into the game. But key takeaways for the rest of you boys? I think that's the, the, the thing that made that game so good is that usually in a 2020, you know, one team gets an advantage and then they manage that advantage sort of all the way through and, and kind of finish it off. But this went all over the place. Pakistan mm. were down. They managed to put together a total that was really good in the end. Well, um, even their innings, like they they got into a situation, yeah, you said they got down and then they suddenly, with when Iftikhar was going, got them into a position where they could have scored way more than 160 and then they suddenly lost those wickets. Yeah, the I innings ebbed and flowed as well. Also, the middle of the innings... It's what we kind of predicted in that the spin bowlers are going to have a massive, massive mm. part to play in this. And they were able, if Iftika and, and who was with him? Uh, Masood mm. were able to actually generate a lot of runs through there and get that RPO up through the middle. But And then India falling apart with the bat early on through that power play and then yeah. managing to bring it back. What a game. What a game. And, and a kind of game where the 
um, I mean, you, you say there with the games went up and down, but also I thought the balance between bat and ball was really, really good. You know, you see in t- 2020 so often, isn't it, that just bat, really bat is just dominating ball the whole time. But there was there was stuff in there for those bowlers when they came in with that new ball and then suddenly it turned around and, yeah, just the way that that game shaped out was just perfect, wasn't it? Oh, an absolute incredible game of cricket to start off the tournament for that group. It's just an incredible finish. And, you know... If you have a look at the scenario, I think India needed 28 off eight to pull yep. off a win and, and manage to get... I mean, that's just... An they needed incre- 48 off 18. Yeah. Well, that, that, unbelievable on, finish. Go even further back than that. <laughs> I think they were 46 for three after 10. So they needed like 11s, 12s for mm. like the whole back end of that innings and, yeah, managed to, managed to pull it off. Yeah. A, a few moments of controversy. So we'll start with, I guess, the simple ones. There was a run out. Um, I think Barbara Zam and Mohammed Rizwan. I don't think there's too much argument about that. It, it looked pretty clear that the ball hit the stump and then the glove. But yeah, yeah Twitter, kind of. Twitter wasn't convinced. Great. It didn't look great. But I think in, I think in the end, yeah, the, the footage that I've seen anyway, it probably was out. But yeah, did. Looked really messy and untidy. I think the reason it also looked bad was that Rizwan had kind of, you know, thrown his gloves <laughs> yeah. on the ground and thought that it wasn't out uh, there. I, I am not convinced that it was out, to be to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like when you see something like that, you're like, that doesn't deserve to be out, yeah. kind of. And then they've kind of kind of taken it. So that's why I'm probably mm. against it a little bit. And it shows the topsy-turvy nature of a, a final over like that. Even Ian Smith, an international wicketkeeper of some repute, didn't know the stumping rule. Um, so when Dinesh Kartik was given out stumped, he said, you've got to look where he's taking the ball here. Mm. Not appreciating that it hit the batsman and therefore, you know, as a keeper, you can gather it wherever you like and take the bowels off. Um, if it hadn't have contacted the pad, you can't take the ball in front of the stumps. It's a no ball and that would have just added even more drama. Um, but look, we've um, we've got a couple of rule changes, haven't we, for the ICC to consider, at least in the Slack channel. I don't know if anyone's going to be brave enough uh, to bring them up on the podcast. But what, what are our thoughts around... Um, the the ball hitting the stumps and then trickling away to the to the towards the boundary for three runs. It's a weird one, isn't it? I yeah. I mean, I I must admit when that happened, I kind of thought this kind of sucks. Like, I know it's sort of, I know it's part of the rules, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. I sort of feel like it should be dead, don't you? Like, I, you know, I because I know it's a free hit and all of that, and yes, there's all sorts of deflections that we don't need to go into. That things happen and uh, and uh, you know you can't really control them, but. Yeah, it felt kind of wrong that they got bowled. And you know, free hit, yes, but then they got three runs out of it. I, th- I don't. Yeah, it didn't feel right to me. So a re-bowl would be your solution to that? No, it's just no runs. It's no runs. So there's no runs off the free hit. I, I'm I'm going to go the other way. I think that it should be, uh, you know, let it all play. It's 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 one of those things where you know there has been an offence committed to get to that state. Mm. Why should it swing back in favour of the bowler if um if if that happens? Swing back in the favour of the bowler or the better? Well, if they hit the stumps, why mm. should it be dead ball and they, they should be able to take advantage oh, I see what you're of that yeah, I see what you're as a betting team? Yeah, I, I think if the if the fielding team affects a dismissal, then the ball should be dead at that point, right? As it would be in a regular game of cricket, you know, if it wasn't a free hit. So if you run two and then a run out going for the third, the two should stand, but obviously you don't get the third run, uh, etc. Although you're out, I think you're out, run out. Run yeah, out. if you're out, run out off a free hit, then you're out. But, I mean, if a catch is affected, then it should be... You know. But if a catch is affected under that free hit rule, you can carry on running. Yeah, into yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. I, I hear it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Look, it's it's a tough one, right? It, it just didn't feel right. You know, it just didn't feel right when the ball hit the stumps, and yeah, suddenly that. I mean, that three. To be fair, I think 
probably even without that three, India was in quite a good position. Obviously, then they get the the stumping, and then suddenly they they've got a little bit of work to do. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, I can see the challenge. This actually leads well into into my my rule change. You should ask me that, Pinksy. So, um, Raj, you've got another rule change that you want to suggest. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? So, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but I think that uh, if a decision is overturned, and it's primarily, I'm talking about ones where a person is given out, mm. that and it's overturned to be not out, that ball should actually be rebolt. My reasoning is this, because it's actually what Baldy just said there. If a, if a, if an, a dismissal has been effective, the ball is dead. But we're going to have a scenario here where a team needs three runs off the last ball and is given out incorrectly and is not able to you know, go ahead and, and score those runs. You're going to have something where someone's given out LBW and it squirts off their, their foot and they could have run three runs. They could have, yeah, or they could have run one to win the exactly. game, right? And, and then, it, But they've been given out, so in fact it's dead and, and they can't actually, and it's an incorrect decision. And they will have run one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's going to impact at some point. Yeah, I, look, I've, I've got to agree with that. It sounds very, very logical. So that, that one we can keep, I think. Yeah. The other one, not so sure. And we've also got, and, and look, I guess it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, that there's been a lot of conjecture around hype for Nobles recently um, in terms of, um, I think, Baldy, and look, you're probably the best man to talk through the rule, but it is the point at which the ball passes the batsman in his normal stance, isn't it? It's, it's determining no, it's standing up. So it's, standing not, up. so it's not in your batting stance. It is standing straight up. So if the ball, when it passes, I think it's your front hip, it's some point, but it's not in your batting stance. It's in your normal standing position. So which is, you know, an inch or two higher depending on how. And a position you'd never stand in as a batsman. No, that's true. But that's that's the mark that the umpires are kind of aiming at. So I, I don't know exactly how the umpires of an international standard take the mark. But the umpire that I know looks at the batter before they get into their stance, fixes the, a point in the far distance where their hip is and goes, right, that's my line. If the ball is above that line when it reaches him, then that's effectively a no ball. And it might be, you know, two or three inches above the line of his hips. It might be somewhere up so where he's in his belly button area. Are we going to selecting batsmen on their hip height now? Jimmy, Jimmy Neesham said that we should work, uh, uh, measure everyone's hip at the start of the tournament and then use Hawkeye like they do for, for runouts and things. It sounds tongue-in-cheek, but that's actually a bloody good idea. So I thought that was a piss-take, because most of his Twitter is a piss-take, isn't it? But I, well, I, that's, I a, that's a bloody good idea. Mean, hold on a second. Is he being serious here? Because that sounds like a pretty logical solution, right? If you can measure point A and point B, and you can have a little bleep in the ear, um, surely that would be a good exactly. solution. This discussion is the reason that we have the man cat. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah. Why don't we just play the game and see how it goes? Get... Getting on talking about the game, can we talk about Coley? Hang on, I mean, before we do, before we do, I've got another. I've got another. Skip the rules. No, I've got another. I've got another Badger rule change. You and I discussed it, Binksy, at some point. It's the the fact that India only get one run for the Ashwin last ball instead of four because the ball went to the fence, but they'd run one and therefore won the game. But the ball's gone for four. What happens if India fall behind on like, net run rate? On net run rate. Like with South Africa tied and Pakistan tied and fall behind on net run weight by like point oh 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 one and they would have got four if they hadn't run like if they had have just hit it and stood still that ball goes to the fence and it counts for four runs but as soon as they complete the run to win the game 
that 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 ball is dead. It, no, like, you, you know how you know when you have to <laughs> score the run. So if you're chasing in that situation, you know when you have to score the runs by. Anyway, well, I'll tell you what, Roz, you, you tell me that you don't like that rule when you hit a, a beautiful four um, <laughs> on 96 to win a game, and as soon as you've completed your first run, you finish 97 not out. You'll be my cl- first run. Usually there'll only be one. There's not many twos <laughs> when I'm betting. Um, but move on to move on to Coley. Okay, we'll talk about Coley. Raj, tell us about Coley. Coley was very good. I was I was very very excited. <laughs> That's by the PG thirteen oh, version. Yes, <laughs> I was very very excited by his batting, um, especially uh, that that second to last over. Those last two oh, balls mate. from it was Ralph bowling right, yeah. and the, the first six was incredible. But and and you love that six, but I actually like that second six better. He's just stood there and he's just. Lifted it over his hip for six. Oh, that, the first one was the first one was just spectacular. He's <sighs> that a, that, that's nice. like a that good. was short of a length, yeah. and he's just sort of almost stood on the front foot and hit it on the up for six. Oh, is that up, the one that he hit straight back down yeah, the ground? It's yeah. like from, a golf shot. Yeah, from like from from about hip height, just Amazing. With this, almost with a straight bat. Yeah, that was incredible. I saw that on the replay because I didn't watch the that last little bit live. I saw that on the replay, and I was like, "How on earth has he hit that ball eighty meters for six? Down the ground. Oh, just incredible shot. Remember, Unbelievable rem- shot. Anyone remember when I was saying that for Coley, maybe it's sort of time to, to pull stumps? Yeah, how's that, how's, how's maybe that aging? Not, maybe not it's aging not. well uh, for even you? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's been missing for a while. Jeez, yeah, what what an amazing innings. And I, I actually, you guys talked about, you know, talked about the, the no ball. Coley afterwards, and, and even those two sixes, he talked a lot actually in the press conference, or not the press conference, the aftermatch interview about the psychology, I guess, of all of that and kind of chasing. And he mentioned Nawaz. He said, we know we know that, you know, we knew that Nawaz was going to be bowling that last over. We wanted to put the pressure on. He's someone, Raj, you were just talking about it off air. He hasn't been in that situation before, you know, hasn't been in as many high-pressure situations and I thought, well, if I can get Harris away and get it down to you know sixteen or so off that last uh, last over, we can put him under pressure, and that's exactly what played out. And I mean, I guess it kind of gives you a lot of insight into his mindset, right? That he the whole way out from that, because I was watching that thinking he's left his run too late here, like he's going so well, but he's they've, they've left it too late, him and um, him and Hardik. Fucking almost, almost a bit of Donny in there, yeah. just mm. leaving it as late as you going, possibly going can. Going as deep as you can in, in that chase was really, really, really incredible. Uh, from a Pakistani perspective, um, if you'll allow me to move on to Pakistan, sure. That Baba and and Rizwan dismissals. I don't know who was um, doing the preview for them, but whoever that was said that they um, <laughs> they needed to be able to deal with the pace and bounce of Australian pitches, and those two dismissals were because of the pace and bounce of Australian pitches. Mm. So that's something they need to change very, very quickly. I suggest they get a little sidearm and have someone throw <laughs> a lot at them. Um, but, yeah, th- if they don't score runs consistently, Pakistan's going to be in a be in a lot of trouble. But e- even though they did get out, they still put a score on the board and their bowlers actually brought them into that game. And let's be honest, they probably should have won that game yeah. with, with the position that they were in. They, it should not have sort of... It, it took a Kohli. Kohli, or it took it, some Kohli and a Pandya to... It, to get them over the line. It, it took Coley, and, and to be fair, not a great 19th over either. I, I think we, we've talked about this off air. I think the 19th often the more important one than the 20th. If you can set up a guy to get, uh, you know, defend 20 runs or something like that. Um, I think it was Harris Ralph, wasn't it, by that it 19th was over? Quite, like the first half of that over is quite good. And then, yeah, back-to-back okay. six is just kind of, kind of, you know, like you say, it was 28 off eight that mm. he was going into. And, yeah. you know, you, you're 
your warm, warm favourites at that point. Mm. But can we also also just looking at that last over? Can we just say it was actually bloody dreadful? It was a oh, it was a horrible over. Quite a you bit know, over, yeah. he's created he's he's committed two sins there of bowling extra extra balls or extra runs, uh, and, and one was, of them went for six. Exactly, like yeah. a seven seven no ball when you only need sixteen off an over is is cardinal. Really I, is. I also wonder as well just the little thing with the keeper standing back. I, I, and we talked about this. I, I know why he did it, but he wouldn't do it in any other over that that guy's going to bowl. It just doesn't seem like a game plan they would have practised or thought about. It just seemed really, really muddled, thinking the kind of pressure, I think, um, got to them a, a little bit at that point as well. I guess, the, yeah, and I guess even just thinking about it now, I guess it probably puts you in that mindset. You're, you're thinking negatively, aren't you? Yeah. When you're going back, you're not thinking, oh, great, he's going to bowl six balls exactly I right. I can get a stumping chance. Yeah. So he's, I can win the game. He's bowling. Yeah. He's thinking, oh, dear, what if he bowls a terrible wide or that, yeah. I can't get, that I can't get to? A thin deflection or something. Yeah. yeah, he wants to be able to get it. Um, the cat amongst the pigeons in the other group as well. So weather affected the South Africa Zimbabwe so, game. We're not going to go into that now, though, are we? <laughs> just just before we move into that one, I just wanted to bring up the left-handed Bradman again. He struck again, Akshay Patel with an economy rate of twenty-one. It's mm. going to be hard to beat. Yep. Uh, for the <laughs> for the rest of the tournament. Yep. Well, let's move to Hobart. So, yeah, some pretty poor conditions there. Um, Zimbabwe, really not happy. They've lost a fast bowler by the looks of things to injury in that game. Um, bowling on what looked like a bloody ice ring. Oh, it was a slip and slide, yeah, yeah. Um, in the back um, half of that game. And look, it also raises a question around the Duckworth-Lewis score and, 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 and that kind of stuff as well. So they uh, didn't get five overs into their reply, South Africa, um, but were obviously well ahead of the, the race. Um, so raises a couple of questions about that, which I'm sure we'll get into. But also makes that group interesting now that you've got South Africa, who we talked about in the previous show, as being... Um, you know, potentially someone to, to, to be a bit of a dark horse through the course of the tournament. They've only taken a point from the game, share those points with uh, with Zimbabwe. So that kind of opens that group up a little bit potentially in, in terms of the permutations I, there. I, I don't know about opening it up. I think it's a big dent for South Africa because, you know, they, I mean, I don't know. It's even, you know, Pakistan lost that game, but I think, on you know, we'd still back them to win a lot of those games. I mean, we, we're thinking in our heads here that India, the games between India, South Africa and Pakistan are going to probably be the ones that have the most significance on, on who goes through. And that's why I guess it was such a big win for India because, well, not, oh, you know, notwithstanding it was Pakistan that they beat also, but, you know, th- those games are the key games. And for South Africa to lose, to lose a point really in a game that they were going to win, you know, I, Five, nine over things that they're a bit of a farce anyway. Not even with the weather that was going on, but you know they were they were about to win that game. Maybe one more over they probably would have. They'd like you said they'd passed the Duckworth Lewis score four or five over match already. I've seen you know people suggesting should they you know should it be then that you all you have to do is get to the five over mark if you if the game is reduced. Personally, I think that's kind of doesn't work because. The whole point of Duckworth Lewis is that if you take wickets, that it, that score changes and things. So I don't see how you can logistically do that. It, it's like saying if Zimbabwe knew that they only had five overs, their score would have been completely different. So I completely agree. It feels like when one team is 
only going to need one more over to win the game. It feels a bit short-changed, but I don't, I don't really know how you do that, and it's unfortunately just part of tournament play. And, and it's one of those things that the, any solution you come up with is going to have its pros and its cons. Like I would actually like to see them replay that whole game. If they don't get through a game, mm-hmm. why not play it? It's a 2020 tournament. Surely they can play it, split another game Sneak in there another one. Um, somewhere. But obviously, you know, if you have a tournament that's affected heavily by rain, then... Double headers. Exactly. Oh, I did that to you on the weekend. I said double headers are the future of 2020 cricket. But um, anyway, I don't think that there's any reason to change rules or anything like that around except for the ones we suggested 12 minutes ago (laughs) around duckworth lewis let me finish but uh yeah they um yeah i have no problem with that binksy we haven't heard much from you we we've kind of skipped it past the england game but initial thoughts for them reese topley someone we thought was going to be quite important for them actually going to this tournament obviously out injured now sam curran came in and kind of boosted his jacques callis stocks that we've talked about in the past where, where did you feel that they were at? I mean, obviously, again, a game that they were expected to win against Afghanistan. But, you know, did did were there encouraging signs from what you saw from them? Yeah, I, I think the key thing is, you've, you, you know, you've got to win the games that you're expected to win because um, in such a short tournament, you know, that kind of upset, a bit of weather can really dent your tournament. So, um, as you said, even though they're, you know, firm favourites to beat Afghanistan, I think they got the job done clinically. They fielded and bowled superbly, you know. Um, catching probably wasn't quite as spectacular as that New Zealand game, but there was a couple of rippers in there. Uh, Liam Livingston and Joss Butler taking an absolute belter of a one-hander off Mark Wood, who was bowling an average of 93 miles per hour uh, across his his spell. And then, look, it was was really nice as well to see Liam Livingston come in and and kind of put the finishing touches to the run chase, 29 off 21. Uh, Looked in good order, considering he's not played a lot of cricket. Um, But I think for England, really, it's just that they've got their account um, open with a win um, you know they've now got you know the, the real business end of that group um, obviously got to play Australia um, and New Zealand um, which you know are going to be um, even bigger games now that you've got this you know scenario that Australia definitely need to beat England um, and depending on what you know the game situation when we, we, we come up against you boys um, you know that's going to be that's going to be pretty big as well so yeah look, look, good start circumspect start which is good um, I think you want to be in Australia Australia going under the radar, I think. Um, and if it wasn't for that New Zealand-Australia game, you know, you'd think there'd probably be a little bit more on on, on England and, and, and the visibility of them in the tournament, but they've just kind of got on with their business unnoticed, really, this week. Yeah, nice. And, uh, and look, I guess we're probably about to wrap it up, but just kind of on that first week of the tournament, we've had a bunch of interviews and things, so we haven't really covered, uh, you know, that first qualifying part, but... You know, any thoughts from, you know, the the early part of that tournament? Anything you really enjoyed about the way that panned out? Well, not so much enjoyed, but I think one of the biggest stories is obviously the West Indies missing out on, mm. on, on making that tournament. It's a, it's a big miss for them, and it's, a, it's an interesting sort of period for West Indies cricket and how they respond to it, because they have kind of gone, uh, you know, we're going to choose players who are going to always be available for us mm. and then this is kind of what has been returned um they need to probably have a look at what, they, what they're doing there and, and yeah i i'm interested to see what happens uh, sorry just there was some breaking news that uh phil simmons, phil simmons has stood down as the west indies head coach yeah so he'll coach i think tests against australia will be his last last series in charge of that west indies team and he'll step down after that 
Look, unprompted question from the group, and I'm going to ask it rhetorically because I'm going to ask it and answer it myself. Um, <laughs> Do we get a go as well or not? No. No, okay. <laughs> um, is this the most Nadirish of Nadirs that we've seen from the West Indies in the last 40 years? Because the West Indies have had some challenges with player availability and dealings with boards and, and you know politics within the system of the West Indies. But I can't remember a time where, and I'm going to choose my words carefully here, I have felt more let down by the West Indies team than in this tournament because they should be one of the powerhouses of world cricket. And I don't know if I'm just biased because I grew up watching them as a powerhouse of world cricket, but I love seeing the West Indies successful at major tournaments. We've seen them win T20 World Cups. We know how wonderful cricket is when they are involved. I just feel disappointed and let down as a fan if I don't get to watch the West Indies play at a major tournament. And I, I just can't help but feel that this West Indies team has let not only themselves down, but the rest of the world cricket fans down because we want to see them in the tournament. Not that we don't want to see the Netherlands or Ireland or Zimbabwe or whoever, but I want to see the West Indies in there. And I, I just feel like they've let me down by, by not making sure that their best players are available and in form and fit at the right time. And the team that was there have also, regardless of who was missing, they had enough players to get through that group stage, no doubt about it, and still had enough good players to make noise at the tournament. They just let themselves down. I feel like they've let the fans down as well. Well, I'm not allowed to answer your question, Baldy. You can answer a different one. But I'll I'll answer the one Lippy asked, which is, you know, what do we think about that sort of qualifying tournament, if you want to call it that, at the start? And and to an extent, I'm going to address your point as well. I think, to a point, it's a little bit... um, disrespectful I think to the teams that beat the West Indies in in the lead up to the the tournament proper the Super 12 stage whatever you want to call it because and particularly Ireland and Scotland and a number of these countries have put a lot of investment into their um, into their cricket Ireland of course you know not an associate nation anymore they are a full you know paid up test playing um, nation so I think you know they are going to now not necessarily even cause upsets they're going to win games of their own volition throughout the course of these world tournaments well and I think they would be disappointed with how they went last time not making that that, that, they absolutely will and and I think the other thing for me around that that um, qualifying stage is that it actually just levels that playing field a little bit in terms of some of those teams being able to come in with three or four games um, in match conditions instead of, you know, the farcical scenario of that England-Pakistan warm-up game after England had just played a seven-match series and then had to fly from coast to coast to play a T20 that neither side wanted to play. And you could tell it was like an exhibition match. The, The intensity of that competition, I think, makes the Super 12 stage just even more fraught with danger for those teams that are coming in, not necessarily cold, um, but that, you know, they're not absolutely sharp. They've got no time to get into their work. And um, that's why I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to watch every single game and no more so than tonight, Sri Lanka, Australia in, in uh, Optus, I think, um, with with that level of interest that anything can happen throughout the course of the tournament. So I think it's brilliant that they've, they've done it this way. Well, and I, and I think uh, that, the cricket that we actually saw from that week was sort of echoes what you just said because we saw some amazing, amazing finishes in in those tournaments. I mean, it's it like I love cricket. I'm I'm here on a cricket podcast talking, but I would not have expected that you know on a school night I would be up at one o'clock in the morning watching uh, you know David Visa for Namibia trying to beat the UAE to try and qualify for the for this tournament and you know what a what an innings that he played to then fall short and you know not not make it 
what an amazing effort from Curtis Kampfer and George Dockrell to actually, they were massively on the back foot. You know, it was, it was very much like Coley and, and, and Pandya in the way that they went about it. You know, maybe they didn't hit a, a massive six off the, off the back foot and uh, in front of 90,000 people, but it was, you know, for, for their cricket, it was exactly the same to come through and, and put themselves in that tournament in, in a situation where they were not going to be, uh, you know they were going to miss out again after another year last year where it where it didn't go well and and I think all of those players that we've now seen and like Tim Pringle's been getting heaps of buzz you know from a, a New Zealand perspective Sikander Raza has made a real name for himself in this uh, that early stages for Zimbabwe so I think it's awesome for the tournament and I think it just adds you know more and more and it, you know I and and even the the jeopardy that Baldy you've talked about a lot and on all of these. Uh, you know, prelim games that we play these kind of meaningless T20s and meaningless ODIs. That's the that's the thing. You end up in one of these tournaments and a team gets on a roll and beats you, and suddenly if, you're gone. If this is what happens in the in the 50 over World Cup, it'll be fantastic. It'll be absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Ireland and Scotland and all those teams that made it through Zimbabwe and the Netherlands absolutely deserve. Uh, sorry. Yeah, all of those teams that made it through, sorry, I should say, Scotland didn't make it through, did they? Um, All deserve their spot. I just feel that the West Indies let me down uh, in the way that they played their cricket. It's not that it takes away from the the wins for Scotland and Ireland and and everyone else in that group tournament, but I just felt like they didn't play to their potential. Um, And that's all you really ask from those, from from any cricket team, you know, is that they, they play to their potential. And I think the West Indies didn't do that. Let's hope Australia can play their potential for you tonight, Baldy. Well, let's hope so. It's going to be a cracking match against Sri Lanka. I can't wait for it to start. Well, look, boys, that does just about wrap up this episode of the Top Order podcast. Hopefully, listeners, we fulfilled our potential through this 38 <laughs> minutes or so. We will be back next week, this week in cricket, to continue chat about this T20 World Cup. If you do want to dip back into the back catalogue, we've got some really good recent stuff. So Luke Wright, coach of the Auckland Aces, but also talked a little bit about his T20 World Cup victory in 2010 for England. A couple of yarns as well um, that are well worth a listen from his county. Um, and international days as well as our domestic New Zealand captains and representatives talking about the chances of their provinces through the course of this 2023 season all in the recent Top Order podcast back catalogue take a look on www.thetoporderpodcast.com for more details or find us anywhere that you find bona fide authentic cricketing podcasts but for now it's good night from all of us here in Auckland we'll see you next week see ya